Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome back once again to Redemption Meditations. As always, joined by Steve and Dana. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Howdy. The spirited. <laughs> so as <laughs> as as promised last time, uh, we were coming back. Uh, we were having our discussion about uh, Lent and and particularly why why we don't observe it. Um, but then we did want to talk about some of the constituent parts of um, the life of repentance and and faith that we uh, would encourage anyone to walk through. So we talked a bit about prayer last time, and if you want, we can go back if you had any remaining thoughts about prayer, but then specifically to talk about um, the the lost devotional art of fasting. Seemingly lost, I should say. Not often <laughs> practiced. Well, interestingly, it's it's kind of making a comeback, not in a biblical sense, but in a, from a health standpoint, uh, intermittent fasting is really becoming a thing. It's sort of the fad diet of, you know, the current moment. Um, and I, fad diets aren't what they are. They come and go. I, that's fine. And we're not really here even to talk about that. We're, <laughs> the three of us are probably, well, I'll just speak for myself, probably <laughs> not one to be experts on diets. But um, <laughs> uh, but fad diets are an interesting, and, and it's interesting that fasting, like the world is seeing benefits in fasting in this moment, in this sort of moment of um, uh, almost a, a increasing spirituality in our, in our society, that they're seeing benefits to what have historically been pretty limited to, to um, to spiritual practices mm -hmm. uh the the world the, this very you know driven by science materialistic world is seeing benefits of some of the spiritual at least fasting um yeah. they wouldn't say it's a spiritual practice uh at least not overtly i'm sure <laughs> there are some that do um but it's just an interesting uh concept an interesting phenomenon happening i think a minor phenomenon I think that brings up a good point and maybe one that's worth us talking about a little bit when, when we, for the purposes of this podcast are talking about prayer and fasting, we don't mean probably most of the talk out there about fasting, about the 16 hour fast or the one meal a day, or I did five days of or fasting or what, whatever it is, you may be doing that. But that's not the kind of fasting we're we're here to talk about today, and that's an important distinction. and And I would agree with Dana. This isn't the, our area of expertise. That we're, mm -hmm. we're not we're not here to say what are the health benefits or problems or anything else with that. That's you'll have to consult a different podcast for that. But we're not talking about that kind of fasting anyway. So right. our our. For, Fasting for the purposes of this discussion is something distinct from that. Right. So how would you define fasting then from a, from what we're talking about, from a biblical um, uh, Christian point of view? The normative practice in scripture would be to abstain from food for a particular amount of time for the purpose of dedication to prayer, either um, you know, praying for a 
particular person or group of people facing difficulty or trials, or uh, if you're facing uh, a big decision and you want to honor the Lord with whatever decision you make, and there won't be any going back after this decision's made, or there are certain like high high profile um, needs uh, that that you're facing, or or you're facing on behalf of someone else in prayer um, to fast. Uh, for a particular amount of time. Um, again, that's another thing that's not totally set out in Scripture. It's a little bit made to order, but um, laying aside that particular time uh, without food for the purpose of uh, of seeking God. So um, it seems like fasting, it, it, it's actually all over both Old and New Testaments in a couple of different contexts. We could talk, you, you kind of touched on that a little bit. We could talk about it a little more, but it seems like it's almost always, maybe always, uh, connected to prayer. It, it's not something that's done apart from prayer. Right? Like, so, so um, uh, singing, in, in like, we usually use the term worship, but singing in worship, right? Singing can be separated from, uh, for example, uh, from prayer, it can be separated from like the preaching of a sermon. We can get together and have our hymn sings mm -hmm. and just singing praises to the Lord without uh, without a sermon, without an offering, without a, a typical um, worship service, right? So we can separate those things just as an example. Um, but fasting, I don't know of any time in scripture, maybe I'm just not thinking of one, but I don't know of any time in scripture where it's not like intimately connected with prayer. Yeah, it makes total sense that those two would go together because uh, with, with the kind of fasting we're talking about it is for the purpose of pressing into Christ and and seeking God and drawing near and and pushing aside things that are not bad things. This isn't a sin thing. Things that are good blessings from God, but there's a there's almost a sense in which it's like I don't have time for that right now. I am drawing near to God right now, yeah. And that is my focus, and that has my full attention, and that's the that that's what I'm busy doing right now. So of it, it, of course that would in, also include prayer in order to do that. The only possible exception I could think of, and it's only just because in my chronological reading plan i was in this part of uh of numbers but the rule for the nazarite vow involved a complete fast from uh any any products of the vine whether it was drinking wine or even consuming grape seeds or even grape skins um so that's a that's okay. a kind of fast okay so that's a, that's a good point because jesus uh and i just read this in church yesterday in matthew when he in the Matthew account, when he's instituting the Lord's Supper, if I can find it really quick, he says, um, and I think he says the same in Luke as well, but in Matthew, he says, um, uh, he took the cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So Jesus is is fasting from uh, the fruit of the vine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's fasting from this 
in that in that sense he doesn't call it a fast there but that's what it is he's abstaining from it until until an appointed uh, time <laughs> until an appointed time right until it, so until he says that day referring to the day of the lord um i believe when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom so uh, the marriage supper of the lamb uh i believe is what he's referring to there that there will come a time when all of god's people are gathered together and until then he is abstaining from from drinking this um while he waits so that's a good point that is one where it's not specifically connected to prayer although Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is jesus always living to do right (laughs) yeah yeah right to make intercession (laughs) and that and that nazarite you know, even in the in the old covenant system, if a man was under the Nazarite vow, he was setting aside his life, particularly toward uh, a devotion, devotional, righteous life before God. Like he sort of set aside, not like a priest, but in a, a different way of being set aside, uh, yeah. and for a particular time. So, like Samson was under that vow, definitely did not keep it, but <laughs> but that's uh, <laughs> that would be a tall order. Uh, in yeah. that time for sure yeah, yeah. So, but i think the nor- normally uh the pattern in scripture is is certainly for it to be uh united with with uh fervent prayer i'd even go so far as to say even fervent prayer uh, yeah particularized prayer practice as i said like for particular needs i, I so I, I there's a few texts i think we could use as an example of that uh when we get to that point but um now i so i want to clarify too and I know we I, we touched on this just ever so briefly in our previous uh, previous episode, but you know, so putting aside the the cultural recognition of scientific health benefits of of fasting, there has been a trend in the evangelical world for you know quite a few years uh, to take a fast from something other than food. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, uh, people that will talk about taking like a social media fast, something that is getting in the way, something they need to, to put away for a period of time. Um, other kinds of fasts that aren't necessarily food related. I'm not going to say that those are a bad thing, um, but I think right. those are good fasts to put on top of the the biblically pictured fast of not eating food for a particular period of time. So those would be good additional fasts. Uh, I'm not sure that I would use those as like a replacement uh, because usually that's something, uh, some sort of convenience or some indulgence that you're setting aside. And that's not really the same thing fundamentally. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I, I think we should make a distinction between. So one of the things we're commanded to be is not enslaved to anything. Right. Where it just yeah. has its claws in us in a way that, I can say, oh, I can quit anytime I want, but I really can't give it up. And so you may have a season where you say one month a year, I'm going to give this thing up or or whatever it may be. That's kind of a, we could call it a fast, but even that is a little bit different from what mm-hmm. we mean by so, sort of the, the normative fast that mm-hmm. is just, expected as a part of the Christian life. That, that, that might be a good thing to do, especially yeah. if you have something where, boy, I really enjoy this and a day doesn't go by where I don't partake in this. That might be good to say, I'm going to take a week, a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. You figure that out. 
where I'm going to say I, this thing does not has not captured me, and I'm going to demonstrate that by foregoing this. But that's not maybe a hundred percent exactly the same thing that we're talking about. Well, and often I've seen it. So this is maybe a, a cynical take on it, but I've seen those things often taken as a cop out. Uh -huh. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I remember I was in a church one time where, where we did some corporate fasting and, um, I know that one of the elders of the church, um, was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to skip lunch. I can't, I can't do that. So I'm going to, I'm just not going to watch TV this week. Well, that's a combo. Like maybe you shouldn't watch TV this week. That's fine. Right. Like that, like you were saying, that's a good thing to say, you know what, this has mastery over me, whether it's my phone, you know, social media, TV, um, whatever, I'm not going to play chess this week, you know, whatever it is, if it has a mastery over you, we shouldn't be slaves to those things. That's fine to give those things up, yeah. but it's not really what fasting is in the Bible. In fact, um, I think, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I, I think it always refers to giving up food. Always. Whenever that, whenever the word is used in scripture, it is an implying of giving up eating. Always. Right. So, so even when Jesus says they're not going to partake, he doesn't use the word fasting. So we kind of put it in that category, yeah. but he doesn't use the word fasting in the Bible. When it talks about fasting, it doesn't, it doesn't mean giving up, you know, whatever the pre-technology version of Facebook is. Ancient <laughs> <Yeah>. social media. <laughs> Ancient social media. <laughs> Newspapers. Reading, writing, scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it means giving yeah. up food. Right. Um, and, and I, and I think that, that it's, it's illustrative of our, like our base appetites. Good word. Um, so, so there's one other example that I can think of, and, and there may be more. Um, so similar to Jesus giving up the fruit of the vine um, in first Corinthians seven, um, Paul instructs married couples uh, not to abstain except for a period of time. Let me, let me turn there and read it. Um, uh, he says, uh, let's see, in verse 5, so 1 Corinthians 7, 5, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement, that's important, um, for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So again, the word isn't used there. The word fasting isn't used there, but it is for the purpose of prayer, mm -hmm. right? So a couple, a married couple can, by mutual agreement for a limited period of time, um, not have marital relations and instead focus on prayer. And, uh, but so that's like an, uh, another exception to the rule. Yeah. I, it's not even really an exception because the word fasting isn't used. It's a giving something up mm -hmm. um, in order to focus on prayer. Um, and so just like Christ has given up um, the, the, the feasting of the fruit of the vine until the marriage supper of the lamb, which will be a feast. Mm -hmm. We should compare those two. Yeah. Um, uh, just like that, this is a, for, and, and he is always living to intercede for, his people, um, uh, just like so, it's a it's a it's a spiritual issue. It's not just simply 
um, I'm going to give up, you know, I, I'm not strong enough to, to skip lunch. So <laughs> I'm going to give up something of my own that, that doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, even though it might be a good thing, that's not really fasting. Yeah. Right. So I want to be also cognizant of the fact that there are there will be people there are there are people uh, who would have a, a, a medical reason why they could not do a prolonged fast. Sure. Um, maybe folks with blood sugar issues or blood pressure issues uh, who, who couldn't do a prolonged period of of fasting. Um, what would, what would your advice be for somebody who really does feel convicted to, to fast, but because, um, we'll, we'll take blood sugar. I think that's a great example. Um, because of whatever blood sugar issue they might have, they couldn't, they couldn't go on a, on what we might consider a, a quote unquote traditional fast. How would you, how would you counsel somebody to, to take, to take action? Well, I want to be careful about that because I don't know enough about the medical issue. You know, I don't, I, I think you can we're not give doctors. Up. <laughs> we're not biologists. Another thing we're not doctors. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm yeah. also not a biologist. <laughs> um, uh, is there anybody here who's a marine biologist though? <laughs> no. Okay. No, so, no. George Costanza is not here. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to be careful because I don't want to say something, you know, that like, oh, well, if I do that, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, I do think that we can give up things. Like you can give up the part of food is meant to be enjoyed. Right. Right. And and so the, so this is where I was going with um, the opposite of fasting is feasting. And um, you can give up like Jesus gave up drinking wine um uh and and I, I don't i don't but we know okay so he gave up drinking wine there in matthew um 16 i think it was um and i think it's later than that whatever i just read near the end of matthew and um 26 sorry he gave up drinking wine then but but uh he he does i, I need to make sure that i say this right yeah, this is at the institution of the Lord's Supper. So it's before the cross. After the cross, he eats with his disciples at the Sea of Galilee. So he's abstaining from one thing because of what it represents, because of his anticipation of the day. He's giving up one thing, but he's not going without food, right? right. So. I think there are things that, you know, types of foods um, that we can, that like a diabetic or whatever, some of the health concerns can give up and, and not put themselves in danger. Mm -hmm. Right. Th this is never a call. We're not, we're not though Christianity we're, is not that type of religion, you know, yeah. where you're causing yourself harm in order to, um, you know, be more spiritual and, yeah. and, and, and this, this brings, <laughs> Yeah, and this brings us to an interesting point because in um, in Matthew chapter nine verse fourteen, um, the disciples of John come to Jesus and they say, "How come how come the Pharisees fast and we fast, but your disciples don't?" Mm -hmm. So the disciples of Jesus, while they were with him in ministry, 
didn't fast. And Jesus's yeah. answer is really telling, right? Um, yeah. Because I'm with them, essentially, is yeah. what he's saying, right? Like, why would the guests fast the, when the bridegroom's still here? <laughs> right. Like, we should be, ha we're having a wedding reception. It's feasting, right <laughs> it's feasting having, time right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the, or the, it's probably not the wedding reception. What would be the correlation? This is like yeah. the bachelor party or something. Yeah. You know, like, this is the feast. This is the time we are with our Messiah. That's not yeah. the time to fast. You know, I would say, uh, you know, except for like maybe extreme circumstances and we can get into the circumstances, but I would say the Lord's day is not a time to fast. Right. The Lord's it's, day. By our it's the market day, day of the soul. That's, That's what right. the Puritan said. Right. The, 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 uh, the general pattern for the Lord's day should be, that's why we do our, our, our Marches. feasts after church, you know, a couple of times a month. Um, we are gathering together and just like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, it's a because we're in the, yeah, it's a celebration. We're in the house of the Lord with God's people. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me just throw one more thing out there. If you are a person who is, has some medical vulnerability, just go to your doctor and, 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 and say to him or her, I, part of, I, I'm a Christian. I, I want to fast. What's a safe way to do that? Yeah. And, and that way you're not listening to the, the three of us about do that. <laughs> you know, eat this, don't eat that. Like, bad idea, dude. Don't listen. We're not, a, we're not doctors, but you could go to, it won't be the first time, you know, your doctor is somebody who can give sound advice about what you can and can't do. It could be a partial fast. It could be don't eat. Yeah. So, so there is a time to, to fast and a time not to fast, right? That, that's what we were saying, right? There is a time to fast and a time not to fast. Um, so, so Matthew 9 that I was referring to when, when the disciples of John come to him and they say, well, why don't your disciples fast? Um, that's after Matthew 6, when Jesus actually taught about fasting on the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. So he, you know, he, he tells them, um, you know, anoint your head with oil, wash your face. Like it, it needs, it's not an external, you know, don't make yourself look sick <laughs> so that everybody, <laughs> oh, right. right. Make yourself, you know, like take a shower, get cleaned up, but just live your life, yeah. you know, go about your normal life. And it's connected with like his instruction on fasting comes right after his teaching on the Lord's prayer. So those are even in that instruction, they're put together there. Mm -hmm. So I, the prayer and fasting are connected. Well, and it's interesting talking about prayer and faster prayer and fasting connected uh, in the parable about the, uh, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. So the Pharisees praying and bragging to God about he, how he fasts twice a week, which is uh, a factor of a Pharisee, you know, oral tradition, not a prescription from, from the old testament so this is not a commandment from god that that he's obeying this is a, a custom this is a, a a rule a tradition uh made by men and yet he's using that that action of fasting twice a week to brag to god about how much better he is than the tax collector who doesn't um, right and so that's another pitfall of especially uh, um I guess going back to what we were saying with with Lent, uh, or um, 
or displaying uh, your fast for all to see, it would be it's very easy for the human heart to to uh, to get self righteous. Like, oh, look how good I am. Uh, I'm I am uh, uh, foregoing a basic human need in order to get closer to God, and simply because by doing that, they're actually getting further from God <laughs> with that with that heart intention. You're actually not getting more spiritually healthy. You're not getting uh, you're not getting any closer in your relationship to God. You're not being more conformed to the image of Christ when you are simply in a transactional way enduring a fast to try to gain points with God, which is exactly that Pharisee's mindset in that in that parable. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls, and maybe perhaps has been turned a bit into a straw man about why so many um, evangelicals don't fast or, or don't fast seriously, I suppose. It's sort of like hitting the ditch on the left or the ditch on the right. You know, uh, I, I think we've, this is one of the areas where the evangelical world has over course corrected and, and hit the opposite error uh, than the mm -hmm. one they were trying to avoid, I guess. Am I off? Am I off the rails there? No, I think I think that's right. I think we do that. I think like evangelicals do it all the time, right? I don't want to be like the Pharisees, so I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise my Christian liberty and, and not fast. Um, you know, I I grew up in a tradition that fasting wasn't ever a part of our tradition, so I I never did it until not that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, you can read about it. You can read about it, and I would hear of people that did it. You know, and and. Um, uh, but it wasn't until I was in ministry that we actually started like taking it seriously as a, um, even as a spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I can see that, that well, I think that's true of a lot of sort of normal Christians, right? They just haven't really ever put much effort into it or thought into it, I should say. Yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm the same way. We the, the the church I grew up in, I don't recall ever hearing anybody discuss this. I mean, the 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 most would be if you stumbled across it as you read through the scripture, but that was it, and you just kept moving, and it just wasn't a part of what we were doing at all. So this yeah. is, in in some ways, very new to me as far as trying to practice this. So I, I wanted to ask you guys, because I, I see uh, it, it looks like there are, there, there are kind of two different ways you see fasting practiced in, in the scriptures. One is that individual, nobody's really supposed to know you're doing it right now. And, and that, that, that's, you're not supposed to let people know that you're doing it. But then you also see a corporate sometimes national mm -hmm. fasting uh, during, usually during some unusual time or some time of great distress sometimes. Uh, yeah. and, and obviously people are going to know because we're all doing it, yeah. right? Is that uh, something you guys see also, the, the distinction there between the two? Yeah, I think, so John Calvin is helpful in this. In, in his institutes, he has a, pretty brief little section on um, fasting and then, and then prayer and fasting. And, um, and he lays out some purposes 
and then um, connected to the like why someone would fast and then connected to that as if it would be um, private like for one person like personal or corporate right either and that could be a family it could be a, a church a specific church or groups of churches um, there are there are instances in um, in for example in the book of Acts where you have um, elders or or uh, the apostles or or a couple of apostles so so church leadership fasting together um, uh, I'm thinking specifically in Acts in I won't turn there but in Acts 13 before they send out Paul um, mm -hmm. uh, they they the church at Antioch there's a group of men and they are fasting and then they um, it says that they're fasting the Holy Spirit somehow told Amazing. them to send yeah commanded them to send Paul uh, Paul and Paul and Barnabas I think there and um, and then and then it says after that they continued prayer and fasting and they laid their hands on them and, and sent them off um, into ministry and then it in happens 14, too in, in 14 I was about to chime in on that yeah they're, yeah they're they're and it's Paul and it's Barnabas right at that point mm -hmm. I think um yeah. they're uh they're uh setting up elders in the church I can't yeah. remember which church is I city or something they're setting up elders in the church and they also do the same thing so they're making a major decision a major ministry decision um, it's not a time of stress. It's not a time of struggle. It's, it's actually a, a joyful thing, right? The church is being planted, and but it's a solemn, serious um, action, a serious decision. And so they commit it to prayer, commit those men to prayer and, and fasting. Um, I think I think that's those are good examples. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a group of men. Um, and maybe the whole church did. Maybe that was the whole church. But but there's a group that does that. Um, let me just give you. Th Calvin has three uh, purposes for fasting, and I think these are helpful. The first one is um, to mortify and subdue the flesh. So uh, so that one is personal, um, almost always, right? My sin. So so I have to get my own um uh appetite under control it's not even just simply overeating or, or something like that this is this is to help me get myself under control to kill my sin i'm gonna not eat i'm gonna lay aside all those distractions and those and those pleasurable things like eating a good steak or whatever i'm gonna not eat and instead i'm gonna i'm gonna you know force myself to pray and repent of my sin so that one's a, a private, um, you know, you're typically, maybe that would involve a family needing to do that or, um, or, or possibly a whole church, right? If a church has been steeped in sin, uh, you know, they may have to do that, but it's, it's pretty private at that point. Um, the second, he says, to prepare for better prayer and holy meditation. So just simply set aside a time to pray. Um, and that's where you get into the maybe in in some cases a regular time, right? Like you fast once a week. Maybe you fast every, you know, Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. That's a that's a you know for specific people, um, mm -hmm. not a lot. Obviously, you can do it whenever. But um, you know, just as a spiritual discipline, some people might might do that to better pray. 
And then the third one, and Steve, this is what you had, you had even mentioned, um, is to give evidence to God of our humbling ourselves before him. So, so many of the times, particularly in the Old Testament, um, many of the times where you see a call to prayer and fasting, especially for the whole nation of Israel, it is because of their sin. And so they're called to um, prove your humility before God, your genuine repentance by abstaining from food and dedicating that time to prayer. You I've see Nineveh do that in Jonah. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good example. And Joel, I, I was open. I've been thinking about um, Joel uh, chapter two, verses 12 and 13 is, is this call to genuine repentance. Yet even now declares the Lord return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, Rend your garments, uh, rend your hearts and not your garments. Yeah. Don't get that backwards. <laughs> genuine, genuine heart repentance, right? Not just an outward action. Um, but he calls them to fast as part of that. Um, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents in disaster. So when there's genuine repentance, God forgives. And verse 15 um, it, it is like for the whole nation. Um, blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. So in, in Joel, the prophet Joel is called to, to call the whole nation to repentance is, is that idea. Um, and, and, and that might need to be true for like um, maybe a denomination. Maybe yeah. a, a specific church, maybe sure. a family, um, maybe the leadership of a church. It, it could be lots of different things, and 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 there could be cases, uh, probably less so now uh, than even when Calvin was writing. But he he even says or nations to repentance. Um, yeah. Sometimes sometimes the Lord disciplines entire groups of people. Um, and so a genuine repentance, a demonstration of genuine repentance is necessary. Yeah, I think in terms of of humbling yourself and really experiencing how needy you actually are, it's hard to do better at that than fasting. Like that's a that's a one way ticket to reminding yourself how um, how how desperate you are for. Uh, very basic things uh, and your reliance on God for your daily bread. Like nothing, nothing reminds you of uh, seeking God's uh, seeing God's glory um, and asking him for these very essential things when you aren't taking advantage of those very things, uh, not <laughs> uh, skipping eating your daily bread is one way to remind yourself to be grateful to God for giving you your daily bread. Yeah. And not taking That's him a, him and his gifts for granted. It's it's easier to to be clear about man does not live by bread alone if you haven't had any. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I have one other question, and I I do kind of want to if we want to dig more into the why of fasting. One more question about the how. Um, okay. And part of it is, and this isn't unique to us, but. Um, uh, our church culture 
so much of our ministry is done over a dinner table, you know, whether we're going out somewhere for lunch or either going over to, to one another's houses, uh, in, in sharing, sharing a meal together. Um, and that's very much normative in scripture as well. Let, so, so word picture. So you're engaging in a fast on a particular day that no one knows about. And then someone invites you over to dinner because they want to talk about something particular. Do you, one, do you take the invitation and go over for dinner and break your fast? Two, if you do, do you consider that breaking your fast? Well, I have an idea, I think, but I don't. I think I'll the wait. first thing that we should uh, note here is that there isn't anything specific in the, in the scripture about how long a fast is supposed to last. 40 you know, the days only thing, 40 nights. Well, <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. There isn't the only thing that we can probably rightly say is that it's, it, it's some break from what is normal. So if you eat three meals a day, always then you could skip a meal and we could i think rightly i think you guys would agree we would rightly call that that could be a fast if you're doing it so. for the right reasons right yeah so so it isn't where well i'm bound to a day five days <laughs> two weeks whatever that that's not in the book i mean you may do it that you, you may have a specific time where you do it that way that's great but it 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 you're not bound to it as far as like it says thou shalt fast for three days amen <laughs> that's not and right. maybe it's probably i don't want to go off on too far a rabbit trail here but we we should acknowledge there isn't a thou shalt fast 11th commandment it's just mm -hmm. expected the reason why we say yeah. you should do it is because it's expected in the same way that it's that Jesus says, when you pray, when you mm -hmm. fast. And right. so we feel that we're on solid ground to say, hey, if you're a Christian, you should do this. Yeah. How often yeah. you do it, for how long you do it, is going to be left to your own convictions. Yeah. And that's going to be vary from person to person, but you should do it. That's probably yeah. not a, that's a, that's sort of sneaking out of an answer, I guess. Well, I think it also, question. I think it also depends on why you're fasting as well. Right. Like, so as a pastor, if somebody called me and said, you know, Hey, I've got this issue. I'd like for you to come over. Um, you know, we'll have dinner and, and we can talk about it or we can pray together or something. Um, uh, there's a couple of things. First of all, coordinating schedules, uh, if it's a if it's a day fast or a couple day fast, you usually can work around that, right? Without even letting them know, you can just say I'm not available Monday, Tuesday, but I'll be there on Wednesday or something like that. Um, so, so there's that type of thing. There's also the um, uh, I think there are things that are worthy of breaking a fast because, as Steve said, it's not like a rule, right? So if you say I'm going to fast for 24 hours on Tuesday. Or for three days, whatever you you know, whatever you say. If you say I'm going to fast for, from this time to this time, and something comes up in the middle, and um, you know, there's it, it, the moment sort of demands that you eat something, <laughs> so eat something, right? Like it's, yeah. it's not that big. It's not like you're 
you're not you're not sinning right, right. unless you unless there's some specific like you know taking a vow before god that i'm not going to if that's the case go away like make yourself not yeah. available yeah um you know just say i can't this week or or just say you know not you know actually i'm fasting right now oh you most people you know oh oh okay mm-hmm. um especially because it's kind of a trendy thing right now so, <laughs> so um but but if it's a if it if if you are um fasting because of uh for god to relent on some discipline right if you're fasting because of some sin that you are repenting of then you're probably not available to go to somebody's house for dinner (laughs) right like the the last thing you should be doing if if you and i maybe we're talking i don't know if you had like us in mind, like elders in mind, or just the, the average Christian. Um, and maybe it doesn't matter, but if if somebody needs your help, they will overlook whether you eat in front of them or not. Um, if you feel obligated to eat in front of them, and and First Corinthians addresses that with food offered to idols, in some sense it addresses that. If you feel obligated to, then go ahead. You're, it's not like you're breaking a law um or christ's law or something and and if you um are in a place where you are fasting because you're broken from your sin um you need to take that time and not and not be trying to minister to someone else yeah you know you you need to ask somebody else to step in and help if if i if i was in that situation and somebody called you know and i had some sin that i was trying to you know get rid of and in through prayer and fasting um james james tells us to confess our sins to one another and so like in our case i would probably say to one of you guys like i need to go and repent of this this is what i'm repenting of you know like i want you to hold me accountable for this and i'm i'm gonna not be available for a couple of days because i'm just gonna be you know, prayer and fasting. I'm going to, I'm going to go away or I'm going to stay at home or I'm going to whatever. And, um, and I'm going to need you guys to cover if, if something comes up that that's, mm-hmm. again, that's sort of pastor, like in my role, what I would do, I think, um, for, for a, a person with sort of a normal job that maybe is ministering to a friend, that, that probably is a time where you'd say to another brother you know or sister in christ like i I need you to help me with this because i'm struggling with this sin um yeah i think it'd just be a time to involve someone else or to wait a couple of days whatever the situation does that kind of answer your question yeah totally totally that that's uh that's in line with what how i would have answered it as well it really it depends on what you're fasting for uh if it's for regarding your own repentance then yeah you're you're definitely booked up um, but, it, but if you're, if you're fasting for somebody else and it's, uh, this is something that's going to be ongoing and you, you're wanting to be vigilant, you know, you might, you might end up just skipping one meal that day instead of, you know, both lunch and dinner because, um, because in order to have fellowship with a particular person, uh, who you've, who you want to, you know, maintain a relationship with, whether it's somebody you're witnessing to or a fellow believer, um, it, it it would be okay 
if you were to go to dinner with that person, maybe you eat a little less than you normally would have. You know, you go out to a restaurant, maybe you only eat a little bit of the meal to be, you know, to to yeah. not uh, bring attention to yourself, right? If you want to keep the fast secret, which is admirable and biblical, uh, you take a larger doggy bag home maybe than you normally would have. Um, that that kind of thing. So not not so uh, uh, not so hard and fast about it. Uh, <laughs> I think there can be a little little grace, little wiggle room in there because the fasting should not it shouldn't just be like a, oh this is the time to you we can only fast during this particular season and I can't mess it up. You know, fasting should be an ongoing practice, and so you don't have to be as um, as all, not all in about it at one particular time. Uh, we can yeah. spread that out. We should spread that out. We should spread out fasting throughout our life, not just in a at a particular time. I, I think that's a really good point. That uh, if we if we're doing this just as a part of our our of our normal practicing of our faith, then and and it's not one of those times where you should have on sackcloth and ashes and be mourning right. over your sin. Set that aside. That's sort of a different thing, right? But if you're just on a uh, on a fast and and somebody to whom you need to minister wants to meet you for dinner i think god will forgive you i'm taking that opportunity to person <laughs> you know it, it's like like we could get into we could go from not not doing a fast to getting overly rigid you know the pendulum just swings right back the other way here if you're, it's the same thing with your prayer life, right? If mm -hmm. you're praying and the baby's going to stick the butter knife in the outlet, go grab the baby. God will <laughs> forgive you, right? <laughs> you're going to be back at this prayer thing, uh, 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 just a minute or or tomorrow or whatever. This isn't like the end all be all right now. This very time, this is a a, a cumulative way of doing life thing. And and you could burden yourself in a way that isn't helpful or edifying. And that the pattern of of living, uh, there's an example in Luke chapter two, where Anna, um, who is a widow, um, uh, um, and in Luke Luke she's eighty four. Luke two thirty seven says, and she, it says it says that she did. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up to that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him, um, of him, to all who were waiting for the redemption of, of uh, Jerusalem. So now it, it says it says that she was she was worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. I don't that's, I don't know what that's that a means. tough lady. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she ate at some point, you know, like she you have to, to at some sustain point. herself. So I don't know if it meant, you know, she ate once a week or if she, you know, uh, only ate at certain times. You know, I, and I don't think that's actually the point. She was dedicated. Um, everything else took a backseat to to uh, uh, proclaiming the glories of God. <laughs> right mm -hmm. to, to to her prayer and fasting and telling people um about uh to give thanks to god and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of jerusalem you know so she's in the temple having conversations day after day after day um encouraging so this is not a 
um, this is not a time of repentance. This is a time of like even joy you can get from reading this of yeah. like uh, the Messiah is coming soon. The Messiah is coming soon. <laughs> you know, there's an anticipation and a, and a, a, just a joy in this lady as she prays and fasts and like, Lord, send the Messiah soon. Little does she know just earlier in the chapter, yeah. he had been born. <laughs> yeah, she meets him uh, shortly after that. Joyous um, fasting is a, a concept that I think would be hard for a lot of us to get through our head. Yeah. Because we usually think of it as a very somber thing, usually. but Or or the kind of thing where like you're so excited you don't even have an appetite. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've right. ever had that before, but... That that's what seldom. she kind of reminds me of. Seldom, very seldom. <laughs> it has to be something pretty special. <laughs> pretty obvious. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't have any uh, additional questions. Uh, you, we've definitely hit all the scriptures that I was hoping to hit. So, yeah. so we were all of a like mind there. Um. Uh. So before we ascend the library ladder, any. Any concluding thoughts or summary summary statements about about fasting and prayer and fasting together? Well, uh, it, one thing that we didn't we didn't really hit that hard. I don't think maybe we did some, but um, the benefit I don't know how to like the why why should we fast? Um, so so I talked about like the purposes, right? So rep repenting of sin or for God to relent in His. Um, discipline, um, even in the anticipation of, of Christ's return. Um, and so as, as a part of worship. Uh, but I think, I think that we should, what we want to do is stress that, um, first of all, uh, in, as opposed to Lent, and as opposed to a law of you must do this at this time, fasting we have freedom to fast and we have the um so even steve said um or he referred to the lord's teaching and in, in it's in matthew 6 when you fast so there's an understanding that we will um we ought to make it a part of our regular spiritual practice so so I think we said, I think I said last week that prayer is one of the hardest things being, you know, a hardest spiritual discipline, the hardest thing of being a Christian. Um, fasting is right up there with that. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, but, but even the world can do it for worldly reasons, right? So we can do it and we should, and we should as a way to devote ourselves, to set ourselves apart um, uh, to him. And I think it will reap benefits, uh, spiritual, real benefits for us. I don't know what those will be. Maybe they will be repentance, restoration, um, you know, joy, increased joy, increased fellowship with him. Uh, I think it will probably be all of those things. But there are benefits. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point that, in the same way we are to be praying and and if you're going to do that that probably requires you to set your phone down turn off the tv it, some some giving up other things that we're not saying are sin necessarily but 
it's time to put those things away yeah. for some amount of time so that I can pray. I think we, we would say the same thing about fasting. And it's both of those are things that nobody's going to know if you're not doing it. Like this is between you and God. Yeah. You know, if you're not doing it and, and God knows, and you're supposed to be doing it, but how often, how long exactly what that looks like is up to your own conviction. The Lord's going to lay that on your heart, but you should be doing it. And, and, and and you're going to have to work out what that means for you. Yeah. You know, anytime we talk about anything, I I think often our our reasons for why to do a particular thing is usually the same thing, which is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Which is, you know, sort I've of heard the, that, that is the mm-hmm. yeah. I hope Good that answer. sounds familiar. <laughs> it sounds catechetical. Mm-hmm. Catechetical. <laughs> <laughs> and so fasting just like any of the other spiritual disciplines ultimately is for the glory of god but then how that practically works out i think it's actually pretty interesting for for fasting because uh in fasting we enjoy god by purposefully not enjoying some things so if we set aside the enjoying of food for a particular time to set for prayer we actually enjoy god we glorify god and we enjoy him in a particular way that is really beneficial to us um and so so losing that practice not losing you know what i mean that practice sort of like disappearing a bit um is sad for that reason because there's a peculiar way that god is glorified um and that we get to enjoy him uh in the act of of fasting which is why why we should do it yeah amen Great. Well, let us uh, let us ascend the library ladder together, gentlemen, as is our want. Dana, what's your pick for this week? Oh, all right. I'm going with the uh, same author as last week, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Nice. Um, just, a, just a good, it's, this is a classic. Every Christian should read this, Knowing yeah. God, J.I. Packer. This is an old copy that has been around. It's been in the family, actually, for a couple of generations. <laughs> And it's a paperback in good condition. So so it's, hats yeah, off to yeah. all, all the hands that held it before. It is in relatively good condition. Understanding who God is. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, what do you have? I have a defense of confessionalism. Oh. What? <laughs> awesome. Tell me more. Arden L. Hodges. <laughs> Um, I'm in a confessional place right now, I'm at, uh, I guess. So it's a very, very short, easy to read, talking about why we believe in uh, confessions and in particular the Second London Baptist Confession and why it's important and how it's useful to us. And it's uh, if you're interested in learning more about that and you don't want to tackle some thousand page monstrosity about it, it's like maybe a hundred pages it's a easy you could sit down and read it in one sitting so awesome excellent i have brought this small tome but not uh not small on subject matter this is the apostolic fathers so it's a collection of um letters by the apostolic fathers 
Uh, really like this edition. It's got uh, Greek on the left, English on the right. Uh, you've got um, letters of Clement, Ignatius Here we are, in there. stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Sorry>. um, <laughs> Polycarp is in here. Uh um, the Didache, which is a very interesting historical document. So all of these, mm. um, all these interesting, um, some of the earliest uh, non-inspired writings uh, in the church, uh, very, very helpful for, for those who are interested in, in church history or wanting to be interested in church history, would be a really great place to start. Apostolic Fathers, uh, collected by Michael W. Holmes. Who's the publisher on that one? This would be Baker. Okay. Baker Academic, I believe. Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right, gents, anything else for the good of the order? I think we've done it. I well, think you need to bless us. us. Yeah. Oh, bless away. Glad to. Everyone. Bless us, everyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.